we could do the news intro. I don't know how many in jokes this show can like hold on to. <laughs> no, I'm just saying just for the beginning because or or just uh, you know, I we could you could find a news intro, right? Well, oh, like yeah, a, I mean, like or, a like a uh, what do you call those? Like a royalty free. Royalty free, like a, I mean that or I could just do free- the I do the Hello everybody and welcome to DTL Demonstrate the Loop. I am here. Drew is your main host. And today What's good? we are going to be doing a live deck tech of sorts because we mm-hmm. are talking about everyone's favorite one drop <laughs> artifact recently printed in a set. The Ozolith. The Ozolith. Um, this is going to be, um, this is kind of a, uh, a show within the show. Um, we're going to, we're, we're calling this minimum viable deck list. Um, uh, of course, as with everything with the show, this is episode two and it's the first of this type of episode. Um, <laughs> like Daniel said, we're going to be taking an idea, a commander. I don't need to say the word commander at that part of the sentence. Get your head in the game, Drew. It's we're okay. taking an, <laughs> We're taking a mechanic, or in the future we may take some other element of the game, but we're taking, in this case, we're taking a card, the Ozolith, and we are seeing what mileage we can get out of this card in Commander. Um, that's it. Uh, Daniel, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show. Um, what is this episode going to be? <laughs> This episode, um, more than anything else, is about the idea of subversion. Um, Mm. I feel like most people, when they look at the Ozolith, especially with the release of this new set with so many types of counters, we got 10 different types of counters in this set. Ability counters, you can just plop them on a creature. You want flying? Flying counter on that guy. Vigilance? Mm. Vigilance counter on that thing. And then if yeah. that creature ever dies, as the Ozolith says, it is a one-drop colorless legendary artifact, whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, put those counters on the Ozolith. At the mm-hmm. beginning of combat on your turn, if the Ozolith has counters on it, you may move all counters from the Ozolith onto target creature. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a creature with vigilance counters, flying counters, plus one, plus one counters, uh, uh, what are the divinity counters? Divinity, divinity counters. counters? Minus one, minus one counters? Yes, any of those counters. If that mm-hmm. creature dies, all of those counters go onto the Ozolith. And once those counters are there at the beginning of combat, you can just slap them on something else. So if they were on some kind of dumb turtle that you decided to stack counters on, well, just wait till combat, <laughs> and throw them on a goblin. Yeah, Yadara. If, you were thinking if, much better than I was. I was thinking like, <laughs> What is it? Aegis turtle? <laughs> the one blue. Yeah. Um, I think and so. And, and yeah, so, now, Daniel, you mentioned subversion. So, like, I, pretending to be a random member of the audience of the magic community, I look at the Ozolith, and I mean, the obvious one, I am too good for this, but most people are going to just do 1-1 one, one counters. We've seen Death's Presence before. I know how this ability works. I am looking at this, and I want to do minus one, minus one counters, or bounty counters or the new set has these vigilance and flying counters but you know you mentioned subversion how am i going to subvert any of those with the ozolith well you silly squire allow me to tell you Um, (laughs) (laughs) everybody knows that everyone's either favorite or least favorite type of counters or of course Loyalty they're either They're either first or last on the list. Hey, man, people no. either really like Planeswalkers or they wish that they were never printed. There is very little in between. I don't know a person who has ever just said, oh, Planeswalkers are fine. I won't now for the sake of argument. I was gonna, but we yeah, don't but need... You play me. Commander and Planeswalkers are specifically a lot worse in Commander. As, yeah, that's, that's Most people true. who hate Planeswalkers play these other formats where they destroy the whole game. Like Oko Yeah. Did. <laughs> Teferi 3 that. continues or, to do. Or yeah, or, or Jace the Mind Sculptor. Lily Teferi Hero of Dominaria. I get it. I understand <laughs> what you're saying. You are saying, please, Lord God, do not take this creature focused artifact and somehow make it to be about planeswalkers. Scum, why would you do that? And let me tell you why I would do that. Because the Ozolith 
looks too cool and is named too well to work on only creatures. Mm-hmm. It should be used as to an be so limited canon. It should be the hands creating the Kamehameha wave for Goku's inevitable big blast that almost kills the villain, but doesn't quite. You know how it goes. It needs something else to, to really get it there, but it's going to do most of the work. So what you're proposing, Daniel, um, for, for this episode is that is if I may embiggen the words a little bit, put them in bold and increase the font size. We're putting the Ozolith in the same suite of cards as doubling season as deep glow skate as these, these super friends, all-star cards. Um, we are doing that, but here's the thing Mm. about doubling season and, uh, uh, and, uh, what are those other ones? Deep glow skate, deep glows and doubles all the counters. Oh yeah. yeah. And those do get you your ultimates. Don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong. Okay. But what happens? And this is what happens if, well, doubling season kind of hard to do. Doubling season can't be beat. I'm not going to deny that doubling season is a busted card. It's the reason it's a thousand dollars. It's not a thousand dollars. That was a gross exaggeration. <laughs> It'll get but there. deep. Glow it just skate, got announced. It does have an enter the battlefield ability. That mm-hmm. is a thing that can be responded to. Oh, it hits the battlefield, and you know you can't activate loyalty abilities when there's an ability yep. on the stack unless you've already Teferi emblemed, which you yep. haven't because you, have you haven't had the Ozolith in play in this scenario. <laughs> You are about to put enough counters to alt that Teferi, but wouldn't you know it? Somebody bedevils your Teferi. Oh, mm. they bedeviled it. And guess what happens to all those juicy, juicy counters? Oh, they're just gone. They're mm-hmm. all gone. Missing forever. Now, if you had that Ozolith in play and also jumped through various other hoops, all those counters on that Teferi prior... Well, those are just waiting around for the next Teferi you play. They are. The inevitable next Teferi that you're going to throw out there. Because <laughs> you know you're going to do it. You yeah, know you're going to throw out another Let's one. Let's not kid ourselves. So it, Precisely. This episode, um, in this show, um, again, as with all of our stuff as we're starting out, um, if you have any, uh, you know, constructive uh, things to say, you know, about the format of the show, things you'd like us to do with it, do let us know down in those comments. Um, but with minimum viable deck list, um, Daniel and I have talked about this this idea a little bit, and so where we're going to be going is Ozolith Planeswalker Aristocrats. The Ozolith is going to enable us to reuse loyalty counters from our planeswalkers to eventually be able to just drop repeatable ultimates as we need to and really just kind of get some ridiculous stuff going on now that sounds pretty improbable but that's kind of what this episode's going to be so we've explained the ozolith daniel what are what are our other kind of key players in this deck archetype that if you if any of our listeners are going to want to do this for some hell reason or because they like it they they like a good time what are the other key cards we need to be mindful of uh, when kind of looking to build around the ozolith in a planeswalker deck well if you're trying to build planeswalkers loyalty counter ozolith your <laughs> best start is going to be in blue and here is the mm-hmm. reason why because one of the main ways that you can turn your planeswalkers into mm-hmm. creatures is using mm-hmm. Mycosynth Lattice and mm-hmm. also using March of the Machines. Now, mm-hmm. Mycosynth Lattice, just in case you guys are not familiar with Mycosynth Lattice, mm-hmm. I will pull it up right here. Mycosynth Lattice says, if it loads, all permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types. All cards that aren't on the battlefield, spells, and permanents are colorless. Players may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. That is Mycosynth Lattice, and then you will need the card March of the Machines. And I'll I'll handle this one. So March of the Machines is the other key part in kind of getting us there, because you'll notice there's a restriction on Ozolith that it does have to be a creature. March of the Machines is three and a blue for an enchantment, um, and it simply just states each non-creature artifact is an artifact creature with power and toughness equal to its converted mana cost. And we've now kind of set the bedrock here for Ozolith to get us where we need. With these two cards in play, all of your permanents are artifacts, and all of those artifacts are creatures. Now, 
downside here right out of the gate. All your lands are dead. <laughs> all of your lands? Well, because all of their lands are artifacts and their power and toughness are equal to their CMC, so they're all zero zeros right out the gate. Thing to yeah. be mindful of. That is but a thing to be you, mindful of, but in blue, in blue, you've got rocks. You've got rocks. You're setting them up. And everybody and else is going to have rocks too. That's just mm. going to have to be okay. And, and if this you're playing, deck is going to be, yeah. What is it called? The, um, the Graflands? Hey, you got oh, a 1-1. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you got a 1-1. One, one. And again, it's this is going to, one, it's going to be resource denial for your opponents, which is good because admittedly, this this strategy is going to play a bit slow. You're going to have to you're going to have to kind of sink down to the level of messing with lands, which is, you know, in a lot of pods is a no-no. But you're going to be able to recover from that better because again, your focus around here once you've got this set up in play is your focus is on planeswalkers, which means like, oh, I can't really play lands and tap a bunch of mana. You don't need to because planeswalkers on them have abilities that are very spell-like. You're going to be able to kind of circumvent that to a degree now exactly mm -hmm. now that being said you've already opened up one very interesting line of play here if mm -hmm. all of your planeswalkers are now creatures well that's just planeswalker beats in mono blue yeah. and that's already pretty novel <laughs> i have never say, seen that before i have never seen that <laughs> but i like the sound of it I like. The I'm sound not mad of it. at that if I see it across the table. I'm just <laughs> not. I would, and you know what? If they got there, I'd say, you know what? Sure, I had this coming. Sure, you know, if I let you get that far, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Now, another integral piece that you will need is going to be trinket mage and fabricate and any type of like whir of invention, any type of tutor effects to find the ozolith. And we probably recommend. Probably recommend Arkham Dagson in the command zone. Oh yes, um, there there are a couple of directions you can go. I do mm -hmm. think Arkham Dagson in the command zone is the the ideal place that you will want to go. Um, if for you people are who are not in, familiar, um, Arkham Dagson is three and a blue for a two-two legendary creature human artificer with the ability to tap target artifact creatures controller sacrifices it that player may search his or her library for a non-creature artifact card put it into play and then shuffle um as we've kind of illuminated here this card at a minimum relies on the ozolith specifically uh, being in play in addition to mycosynth lattice being kind of another key card in the deck so having a commander that allows you to kind of have this tutor ability for artifacts blue does already have a lot of this um as a color I think as a single color, it has probably the most artifact tutors, but yes, having is. one that's reliable, you know, you're always going to see it every game to kind of get your engine going is going to be key. I would probably argue with our kind of first, our first whack at this idea being in mono blue, Arkham Daxon, I'd probably say is one of the better ones. Um, we've batted around in private discussions, you know, cards like um, mono blue Teferi, the planeswalker. I feel like your deck's going to get, um, in our previous episode, there's a there's a thing we alluded to. This is like this kind of on table perceived threat of a deck. If you whip out Mono Blue Teferi um, at a table, they're gonna assume you're playing the competitive version. You're gonna get focused, and this deck is hungry for time to get its pieces online. You yes, don't need is. that kind of smoke. You don't need now, that kind of smoke at the table. Unfortunately, and this is a downside with going with the mono blue version. And this is why yes. we're we're going to eventually start working our way up to a few more colors so we can look less scary. Because mm -hmm. here are a lot of your artifact-based mono blue commanders to choose from. Arkham Dagsum being number one choice, of course. Um, choice number two, Emery, Lurker of the Lock. Also considered a very competitive, high-powered commander. Very strong. Um, Urza, Lord High Artificer. Pretty good at that kind of stuff. Really yeah. likes its artifacts. Um, what else do we have that isn't going to scare everyone that cares about artifacts? Um, it looks like nothing. <laughs> it looks <laughs> like just about no other creatures. So if mm -hmm. you were going the mono blue route, which is undoubtedly the most difficult route to go, you're yeah. also going to be focused. But <laughs> it is possible. For those who like a challenge, this for is those who again, like a challenge. If you yeah. wanted to be the person with 
with the $50 Urza and you're choosing to do Ozolith Planeswalker Kamehameha deck, mm-hmm. then you know what? More power to you. But for now, we'll just say that Arkham is is the way that we're going to be going. Arkham yeah, as, again as the commander. To, to, yeah, to the title, the minimum viable, if you want to go mono blue. Um, I think one of the things we do need to hit on, while Arkham does, Arkham gives you at least one ability, because another key part of this is that the Ozolith needs those artifact creatures um, or needs those creatures to leave the battlefield, needs them to go away. So you need something that's also going to let you get rid of your artifacts um, in all of the colors. I'm um, just kind of save us the time of mentioning this with each deck. Quark clan ironworks is going to be an obvious include here because it's going to let you, once you've turned them into artifacts, it's going to let you just sack them without any additional cost. But Arkham Daxon, because we've gone through the extra step here to get there of making them artifact creatures is going to at least give you one per turn. So that will enable you to at least sacrifice one, getting its loyalty counters on two, uh, onto the Ozolith here, uh, and then allowing the next planeswalker you have to then kind of inherit all of those counters. But artifact oh, yes. sacrifice, permanent sacrifice, is a key part of all of these decks you're going to want to be looking out for. Of course. And so another good thing about Arkham Daxon is that since he is a sacrifice outlet on a stick, it is why he's mm-hmm. number one choice there. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. For instance, if you do play Teferi, big blue Teferi, and big you up ticket or down ticket and untap a whole bunch of stuff, you can then sack the artifact Teferi to go find another good artifact like the Krog Clan Ironworks mm-hmm. and then play from your hand with all of your untapped mana rocks, play mm-hmm. uh, what's another good mono blue one? There's a Tamio, isn't there? Like a big one? Big Tamio? Oh, yeah. Tamio, whenever it hits your yard, it goes to the bottom of your deck instead. Just endlessly recurrent. Is that that one? Oh, yeah, that is that one. That is that one. I had forgotten how many uh, Tamios there are. Okay. I there was a, but it, but again, it, it's... it's um, yeah, Tamio the Moon Sage, I believe. Yeah! Because there's a Bant one and there's also a Simic one, uh, but the Mono Blue one is very, very strong. Now, that, again, for this idea is minimum viable if you want if you want if you're interested in this idea and you want it under the most restrictive of circumstances i salute you <laughs> i don't necessarily recommend that but that's kind of where you're going to want to be looking um i think a big thing we want to point out here um i don't know if we decided if we're going to have deck lists or anything like that for this but a lot of it's going to come down to in any of these decks that we mention, any of these commanders we mentioned the planeswalkers or just kind of what speaks to you. Um, this deck is not going to be competitive. If you got a deck with this archetype or with a strategy in it that was north of like a five on the power level, I am going to be floored <laughs> with what <laughs> you have built. I'm going to be absolutely dumbfounded. But um, what that means, what that opens up to you is you can just run whatever walkers are speaking to you as a player, whatever you want to see. Um, I'd recommend finding at least one that had a really good ultimate because that kind of gives you that payoff there. But apart from that, a lot of this deck that's outside of kind of the core or the key cards are going to be kind of up to just whatever you like the most, whatever you want to see. Oh, and that, yeah, 100%. Any of the mm. mono blue planeswalkers that you want to have in your Arkham Dag, some Ozolith, Sacrifice, Aristocrats deck, any of those that you can think of <laughs> are up to you, man. Are up to you. And just so you know, there mm. are not that many really good mono Options. blue ones that and are that- not Jace. They're and that leads us kind of all <laughs> and that leads us kind of to the next level here. So we've gotten our minimum viable. That's the core to make this deck function. You're going to need blue at a minimum, but let's say you want some more walkers. You want some more colors. We can kind of go up a rung here. And and Daniel, you actually brought up there's an interesting additional level to the deck that we hit once we hit blue white. Blue white gives us an entire second way. Technically, mm-hmm. it gives us three total pieces. Oh, another yes. thing about Mono Blue to touch on. Uh, oh, if sure. you play March of the Machines, or if you just drop the Mycosynth Lattice, mm-hmm. and you don't want to do, and this is an important thing to, to note, is that if you don't want to go all in with the... Um, there's a couple more rings you got to jump through. But if you want yeah. to go with the the idea of just... 
um, a few of my things are creatures. I don't want my things to die. There are plenty of enchantments that when they enchant mm-hmm. an artifact, they turn it into a creature. I will need to look through a list of mono blue um, cards that have that effect. In soul artifact is, is kind yeah, of soul artifact one of the most the popular. Ones. Yeah. Um, just for uh, audience benefit here. In soul artifact is an enchantment for one in a blue um, recently printed in magic 2015 and in the mystery booster. So it's pretty available. It's an uncommon, uh, but it's just a two, one in a blue aura enchant an artifact. An artifact is um, enchant an artifact is a creature with base power and toughness five, five in addition to its other types. Boom, right on it, makes that. In Mono Blue, you have a lot of artifact animation um, effects. There are skilled animator? Am I right about that? Skilled animator, two and a blue from M19. It's a 1-3. When it enters the battlefield, target artifact becomes an artifact creature. Power toughness 5-5 five, five for as long as it's on the battlefield. That's another animation effect. You have other ways. If you don't want to go all in and turn, you know, all of the lands and artifacts and things like that. There are ways to kind of uh, be a bit more focused about it. And notably, Skilled Animator is an ETB trigger. Um, And Soul Artifact is an enchantment. It's a permanent spell. Blue has a lot of bounce effects. If you want to be reusing this type of effect to turn each subsequent Planeswalker into a new artifact creature to kind of continue to do this um this kind of cycle so there are ways to kind of animate and then reset yourself back up to kind of continue going forward uh, but and one of that, the best things yeah. is that tezzeret cruel machinist uh has a zero ability that says until your next turn mm-hmm. target artifact you control becomes a five five creature in addition to its other types so you mm-hmm. do have these instances of a creature or a planeswalker specifically turning your other planeswalkers into creatures so that you yeah. can set them up for the Ozolith Kamehameha wave. Now, when you go yeah. into white, you get yes. access to a whole new slew of very, very good cards. Um, yes. I'd argue blue white could be the most powerful version, mm-hmm. but we are going to talk about a, a third option. But yeah, with white, go up the chain. you get access to Enchanted Evening and Opalescence. Yep. And you also get Starfield of Nyx. Now, Opalescence. Yes. Opalescence. I think if I spelled it right. Of course I didn't. Why would I have ever spelled it right when I needed to not look like a big dumb idiot? Um, there it is. It says each other non-aura enchantment is a creature in addition to its other types and has base power and or has base power and base toughness, each equal to its converted mana cost. And Enchanted Evening just says all permanents are enchantments. So once again, this yep. is gonna wipe out all of the all lands. lands. <laughs> but it's gonna wipe yes. out all of your opponent's lands, and you're gonna have planeswalkers, and you're gonna have an Ozolith. And that's that's just gonna have to be one of those things that you that you're gonna have to be okay with. Because you're going to need all the help you can get (laughs) if you want to Ozolith Kamehameha wave somebody out of the world. So with those on the battlefield at the same time, all your planeswalkers, they are now creatures. And you also get access to enchantment tutors. You get access to enlightened tutor, which I'm Mm -hmm. fairly certain also lets you search for an artifact. Yes, it does. So you can also just go and get... The Ozolith, if you don't have the Ozolith. Blue-white yep. can get anything you need. White also has access to one of my favorite interactions, a crap ton of Gideons. A crap ton yes. of Gideons turn themselves into creatures all on their own. So if they yes. manage to die in combat or you just want to, like, sack them, so uh-huh. you can do a sneaky play, you can just say, yep. I'm a swing through this six loyalty Gideon. Or you run the one Gideon where it gets uh, loyalty equal to the number of creatures an opponent controls. Mm-hmm. And he just says, oh, they have permanence. Those are all creatures because they're all enchantments. Yes, they are. I'm going to get eight counters. I'm going to then sack it to um, Ashnod's Altar, Crack Clan Ironworks <laughs> if I have out the Mycosynth, put those all on there. And now I am ready. I am ready to go bombard somebody. Mm-hmm. With a bunch of counters on my thing. Just a big, thick like, Gideon. A big, thick Gideon. He he does half the work for you. You don't have to jump through yes. nearly as many hoops if you got Giddy there. If you yes. get Giddy, <laughs> if you get Giddy, <laughs> things get pretty. 
as they always yes. say. And you're no able to also go into with being in blue white. It's this deck. I think there's no way around it. You you're going to like we've said before, you're going to need time for these pieces to fall in. Being in blue white control is a already well-established archetype and having this kind of planeswalker aristocrat lock on the board after that. It's again, it's blue white also is a card that no, is a color that notably does not have access to doubling season. So if you're in these colors and you're looking to really get those big payoffs out of planeswalkers, your only other option is yeah. Deep, deep glow skate. And look, deep glow skate is an amazing card in a planeswalker deck on its own. But imagine you play deep glow skate, then you double the counters on the Ozolith, and then you have those doubled counters go onto the Walker. You're able to kind of still incorporate that in, um, and I mean, if your deep yeah. glow skate sticks around, you can, if you want to, just as a flex, put all the loyalty counters on deep glow skate. You're allowed to do that. If you have a soul <laughs> ring that's a creature now, plop all the loyalty counters on a soul ring. No it's one's ever seen it. Do it. <laughs> do <laughs> it and swing for one. Don't even you use know the mana. It doesn't Did you know that's matter. not even a crime? Now, it's I think not another, even a crime. It should be here. And here's an interesting thing that we actually get access to once we splash into white. Let's say we just need ways to kind of uh, sack permanence. You actually now have, I um, mean, you technically have this as well once you're in. Um, once you're in mono blue, at least this first example, but Arcbound Ravager, one of the lines in this deck, one of the lines in the strategy is the is the process of turning your planeswalkers into artifact creatures. Arcbound Ravager, pretty pricey. Um, it looks like it's actually come down. I'm seeing the Modern Masters print at like eight bucks. I might snap up a hell ton of these, but <laughs> it lets you just sack an artifact. Instant speed, just like we said with KCI, there's no additional cost there. Free sacrifice outlets are going to be key. You're going to be able to kind of eat those. Being in white also gives you two access to, there's a couple of cards I noticed. Um, Angelic Purge is the first one. Two and a white sorcery as an additional cost to cast it, sack a permanent, and you exile an artifact creature enchantment. So in the blue white version of the deck, any permanent in play is an artifact, a creature, and an enchantment. You have all of the options available. It is a sacrifice outlet on your cards. So it lets you play it, sacrifice one of your planeswalkers that are also enchantments, which then also makes them creatures, which are also artifacts, also making them creatures, to then have their counters go to the Ozolith. And it's letting you remove one of your opponent's cards that's giving you a particular, you know, bit of trouble. Key element there. Um, there's also Extricator of Sin, which is a uh, two and a white zero three human cleric um, from, I believe this is Eldritch Moon. But when it ETBs, you may sack another permanent if you do make an Eldrazi horror token, which, again, just gives you another way to kind of sacrifice those creatures. A lot of times, you know, you may just be hurting to try to get the sack outlet once you've got everything else in play. Those are going to let you, once you're in white, kind of get those sacrifice abilities online to kind of get the get the deck's whole thing kind of going. But Drew, are your yes. eyes straining? The, I don't think they are, at least Drew, not yet. Why do you are ask? your eyes straining? D no. Because you sure are blinking an awful lot. Y'all, you don't even have to kill the creatures. And once you go white, you get access to so many more blink spells. Yes. Oh, if you wanted, you can just slam Brago, King Eternal, to a white and a blue for a legendary creature spirit flying. Whenever he deals combat damage to a player, exile any number of target non-land permanents you control, then return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. Yes. Do you know how many loyalty counters you get on that Ozolith when you blink in all your Teferis? Because mm -hmm. it's not only are you getting them onto the Ozolith to then be used later on your other Planeswalkers, those Planeswalkers are coming back onto the battlefield with their counters to just getting ready to be used again. Uh, Daniel brings up kind of segues us in here. Um, if you're in blue-white and you're wanting to do this deck, 
Brago, like you said, is an excellent choice there. Blinking the Planeswalkers in and out to kind of refresh their loyalty abilities, get their unused loyalty counters onto the Ozolith. Um, I would actually also say Raph Capuchin ships Raph Capuchin um, is a great from, choice. From if it Dominaria. Isn't your commander, throw it in the deck. In the 99, because he's two, a white and a blue for a 3 3 with flash and flying. And he gives you, he has the added ability of you may cast historic spells as though they had flash. Not only are you going to be able to flash in those artifacts, but you're also going to be able to flash in those planeswalkers. So he's able to help you on both of those axes, help you get kind of that flash speed, and then you're going to be able to blink those in. Let me tell you something. I promise you that there is not a world that exists where somebody has cast an Ingaruk's Wake and then your response, instead of being Teferi's protection, or Teferi's protection, rather, not protection, you hit them, you pay in three white, same as you would with a Teferi's protection. But guess what? You save yourself $100, and you just, why isn't it showing up here? Why isn't it showing up, the card, just to make sure I'm not doing it wrong? Here it is. You hit them with the ghost way. Mm-hmm. You just... Three white, oh. you exile each creature you control from the game, return them to the to the battlefield at the end of the turn. You just, yeah, ooh, all of them. We go up, down, up, down, up, down. Mm-hmm. We're holding it down here in BFE. That's Florida George Line, baby. That's how you know I'm serious about Magic the Gathering. <laughs> and so that's kind of, I think if you're in two colors... Um, as we kind of expand this deck, blue-white is kind of the core. Because, again, like we started the episode with, you're having to go through a couple of different hoops to get your core engine online. Um, white gives you an entire other lane to play in with turning them into enchantments and then creatures on top of, I believe, with the Gideons having the most Planeswalkers in the game in those colors that themselves become creatures that you like if you have Gideon on board in a sack outlet for like any creature you're able to without Microsynth Lattice or Enchanted Evening or any of those other effects you're able to kind of start the Ozolith plan there so I think the kind of core of the decks going forward is going to be kind of blue white and possibly a third color if you want to do it but i do think if you're looking for the minimum and strongest you're looking for the strongest deck with the least amount of colors i'm going to say blue white's going to be your go if you're looking to do this deck 100 percent. but drew i do yeah. have to say that i do mm-hmm. think there is a way to add a third color and still be as viable as the deck was ever going to be, <laughs> and there, there definitely is. There definitely is. Uh, do you want to you want to give the commander here? Or do you want me to give the commander here? I will let you give the commander because I am looking up other pieces of information <laughs> for sure. So the the next one we're we're going to bring up here, um, and this is kind of where the deck kind of tops out as it were because it's after this you have so many options that can go in so many directions that it doesn't much matter but we're going to start here this is taking the deck to jeskai with elsha of the infinite elsha of the infinite was printed in uh, last year's commander product is uh, two a blue red and white so two in jeskai for a three three legendary Jin monk with prowess so whenever you cast non-creature spell this creature gets plus one plus one till end of turn notably the key spell types in this deck are artifacts enchantments and planeswalkers none of those are creatures so if you need to with elsha you can just cast the elements of the deck and then just beat face with your commander very viable strategy to do here elsha though has other very relevant text you may look at the top card of your library at any time pretty good and you may cast the not the top card of your library if it's a non-creature non-land card with flash notably that is all of the artifact elements of this deck that is all the enchantment elements of this deck and that is all of the planeswalker elements of this deck so you're getting access to a way to at flash speed get all of your elements into play flash those in and then be kind of ready to go off it kind of helps you during that setup phase with this deck archetype 
And in addition to that, you now have gotten access to the red planeswalkers. And I think that's a key thing with each of the steps of this deck is as you get into more colors at this point, Elsha just kind of gives you another way to cast. It's similar to like Raph Capuchin that we mentioned earlier, gives you another way to kind of play this deck at a more instant speed level, which is very good, especially in the command zone like that. But with each and additional the color same vein, yeah, is mm-hmm. that Brago has a, a pretty sordid history. Brago was yes. the blink commander. People see Brago mm-hmm. and they know what is up. There's a certain stigma that comes with Brago. All of yeah. the blue ones you are going to get destroyed. And it's also funny because every time you add a color, you become less threatening and only get better options. <laughs> it's kind of like an inverse thing just there. Great. Yeah. yeah. Because, because once you start going, what was even the name of the one you said? Elsha of the Infinite? Elsha of the Infinite. I don't think yes. I've ever played against it. Uh, I nope. play it my LGS often. There's a whole slew of people. I don't think I've seen it. I do not think I ever will. And but it was in a pre-con the, too. So like it was you in would a see it. If yeah. It was, yeah, if it was popular, you would see it. But this is the best thing that you get from Red. There are a couple mm-hmm. of very key elements here. Number mm-hmm. one, and this is the thing that if you have this card, and and nothing else. Yeah. If you if you got nothing else, this card does almost all the work for you. Sarkin the Masterless. It is a five drop Sarkin, three and two mm-hmm. red, legendary planeswalker. Whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals one damage to that creature. It has a plus one ability that says, until end of turn, each planeswalker you control becomes a four four red dragon creature and gains right flying. You right. just, you turn them to dragons, you mm-hmm. sack a dragon to anything, mm-hmm. or blink a dragon, Yep. and then what ends up happening, so let's say it is before combat, you activate Sarkin, you have a really nice alt that you want to get off, you just blink that dragon, all yep. of those counters go on to the Ozolith, and then that dragoned planeswalker plops right back down, and then the Ozolith mm-hmm. says, hey, remember me? Where were the loyalty counters that were on you before we blunk? And then you just slide those things right back over there at the start of combat. And then you just skip through combat and you activate that ultimate ability on that planeswalker. Sarkin. Sarkin, mm-hmm. Ozolith, any blink. That's that's an ultimate yep. right there. Which so, is right there. But another we, thing we, that you get access to, yep. and this is a thing that we didn't even touch on, Drew. Mm-hmm. In, in our previous the, the discussions. The there who? are two rectors you get access to once you hit white that we haven't mentioned also. We have not Academy. mentioned the rectors. And we will we mention the rectors we, in a second. Because I got excited yes. about this. So I want to talk about it. For sure, is for sure. It is integral for the Ozolith that you enter combat. Now, yes. everybody's been complaining this whole time for two reasons. One, why make this deck? Two, you only get to do it <laughs> once per turn at combat yeah why wouldn't you just play a traxa in doubling <laughs> hold on friend we've got Wait red up. now do you know what we yes. can do with the red additional mm. combats additional main phases my friend my fellow my chap my wonderful wonderful beautiful wife listen to me we're, it's not just one and done. We're getting multiple alts off because we keep going to combat steps, not mm-hmm. attacking, going to mm-hmm. the next main phase, then to the additional combat step, moving those counters back over, and yep, then yep. loading them up, alting twice, and then the Thassa that we have in our back pocket blinks <laughs> one of the Planeswalkers. At the end, we just reload that Ozolith up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like it it enables you it's again, it's and red specifically is giving you access to that combat phase in multiples. The, uh, you know, in blue, we have the ability to get to, you know, just be taking turns. But I think if you want to take turns in this deck, you know, more power to you. This is one of the least powerful decks that could use that ability. But hey, multiple turns is never bad. Um, You are sitting across from a player. They have so far played a Teferi, the three drop Teferi. They have played a Narset, and then they play, <laughs> then they play a, a 
what's that? A, a combat celebrant. Yes. Ooh. And then you say, okay, so maybe maybe they produce creatures somehow. And then the next turn, it's just another mono blue Tezzeret that doesn't do anything. <laughs> and I say, what is happening here? Why is this happening to mm-hmm. me? And then you drop aggravated assault. More combat steps. You haven't dropped any of the other combo pieces at all. What no. are they thinking? You're the talk of the town. They're saying this What's guy going brought this head? weird combat-focused Planeswalker deck mm-hmm. that doesn't produce any good tokens. What's happened? You can. We, you, with access to white, you can produce tokens and you can attack that way using your combat sure. steps. But that is the fallback plan. The main yes. plan is to tutor four and find the Ozolith Blink your creatured planeswalkers or sacrifice them <laughs> to put the counters on the Ozolith and then mm-hmm. use them to alt your best planeswalker. Now, we mentioned the Rectors earlier. Um, this deck actually is able to make pretty good use of both of them. Um, the most relevant, the most relevant is Academy Rector, but I didn't want to start that way. That's not as funny. Arena <laughs> Rectors, three and a white for a one, two human cleric. Whenever it dies, you may exile it. If you do, tutor for a planeswalker. So if you're if you're all set up, you just need your finisher. You just need your best walker. This is going to get you your best walker. It's just a walker tutor. And you're already in a deck that's sacrificing creatures because that's how you're doing a lot of this planeswalker work. In addition to that, we also have Academy Rector, three and a white for a one, two. When it dies or when it's put into a graveyard, can play so whenever it dies you may exile it and search for your library for an enchantment card put it into play which is going to get you either um uh enchanted evening or the other one i've already march forgotten. of the machines march or of the machines gets and you or opalescence or it gets or you, gets you starfield and knicks or it starfield and knicks any of those pieces. any of those any of those kind of key cards to get the combo online in addition to that um in our first kind of wax at the deck we were talking about you know you have them as artifacts and you're sacrificing them one of the key other abilities that red is going to give you is this self-sacrifice especially this artifact sacrifice ability that you're going to now get um the most fun one for me because it's the most synergistic with the rest of the deck is Doretti scrap savant because Doretti is a planes walker three and a red three loyalty planes walker plus two discard two then draw that many let you obviously this is a deck that's reliant on a couple key cards that's gonna let you loot through till you get there minus two sacrifice an artifact if you do return an artifact from your graveyard to the battlefield so if somebody in the most heartless act imaginable gets rid of your Ozolith, you're able to gut one of your weaker planeswalkers that have been turned into artifacts by all of your bullshit and put them back <laughs> onto the field to get or get them, get rid of them to pull the Ozolith right back into play. Um, and then minus 10, you get an emblem with whenever an artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return that card to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. Notably, I'm not a judge. But I believe that these planeswalkers that if we're on the sacrifice plan that we're sending to the yard are artifacts when they hit the yard. And if so, would return to the battlefield. Am I what right is on this that? one? Whenever Doretti's ultimate Doretti's ultimate is whenever an artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return that card to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step. Oh, yes, because it hits the graveyard as an artifact. Yes, and so that means that as we're sacrificing our planeswalkers, we're able to get their counters onto the Ozolith and then get those planeswalkers back to the battlefield. And this is not the only red effect that lets you sacrifice artifacts. There is just a tog. One and a red for a one-two, sack an artifact for free. That gets us back into that free sacrifice outlet that we're looking for. Bosch Iron Golem lets you turn your planeswalkers into damage. Three and a uh, Bosch Iron Golem is eight mana for a six-seven legendary artifact creature golem with trample. Uh, for three and a red, sack an artifact it deals damage to the equal to the sacrificed artifacts converted mana cost to any target so you're able to just start yucking these planeswalkers directly to the face as you need to you know maybe just deal some direct damage to a troublesome creature another troublesome planeswalker on the field um, if you in a desperate situation, you could sacrifice one planeswalker to throw it at one of your other planeswalkers, putting both of their counters onto the Ozolith to then help you ult. And in that same gotta, in the same vein, yeah. you also get Faith Healer, 
which is a, a two drop one and a white human cleric one one sacrifice and enchantment. You gain life equal to its converted mana cost. There are mm-hmm. many ways to, uh, I think there's even a three drop enchantment, if I remember correctly, that just lets you sack enchantments kind of on a whim. I will have Possibly, to yeah. double check that Like one. we mentioned, like I mentioned with some of those other white cards, those are going to let you just sacrifice any permanent as they come through. Um, a couple other things that I want to mention, because the Jeskai, as we've set here, I believe is kind of the strongest. Um, this one you can get here. There is kind of one card that for me has kind of just been on the tip of my tongue in this whole conversation that we are not able to mention because we haven't gotten to its color yet. And you can get here in one of two ways. We talked about Blink and Blink being another very viable strategy here if you don't necessarily like the sacrificing of all your of all of your Planeswalkers here. Blinking is another way that you get the counters onto the Ozlith and then you get your Planeswalkers right back to the board. Black is a is another really strong color in this strategy because of one spell and one spell in particular. And that one is if you play War of the Spark, it's the Elder Spell. Two and a black for a sorcery. Destroy any number of target planeswalkers. Choose a planeswalker you control and put two loyalty counters on it for each planeswalker destroyed this way. Now, I think the Jeskai version of this deck is very strong and definitely does not need this card to get that kind of reach. But if there are just some Planeswalkers in black that you're really wanting to play personally, I would probably recommend looking at Aminatu the Fate Shifter. Aminatu is a Planeswalker herself that can be your commander. Uh, Came out in, I believe, the um, Planeswalker or the Commander 20... 18 product um a white blue and a black three loyalty planeswalker plus one draw card put the card from your hand on top of your library minus one exile another permanent you own then return it to the battlefield under your control and the minus six choose left or right each player gains control of all non-land permanents other than aminatu the fate shifter controlled by the next player in the chosen direction aminatu is a very good blink commander if you want to lean more in that direction yes you do you do lose out on the benefits of red as we've kind of talked about earlier but you do gain access to a lot of effects that are all about kind of you're in more of that aristocrats lane your things are being turned into creatures before all this happens you could basically play this as a standard aristocrats deck but with some added hoops to it if you like the challenge but the biggest boon you really get here is the elder spell as just a card not only are your any key walkers that you're wanting to really keep to use their abilities you're getting a ton of counters on them just as the resolution of this spell putting two counters per planeswalker onto it also all of the ones you destroy those counters are going right to the ozlith to then go right back onto that planeswalker now there is a f- another option and this is where I feel like if you just want the most options, you could go, you can obviously go five color. I really think you don't get any additional options besides the obvious green walkers by doing that. Yes. But the, the four color elephant in the room here is Brea Ethereum Shaper. Brea is white, blue, black, and red for a 4-4 legendary artifact creature human. When Brea enters the battlefield, create two one one blue thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Two mana, sack two artifacts, choose one. It deals three damage to a player. Target creature gets minus four, minus four until in a turn. You gain five life. Brea gets you all of the cards of the Jeskai deck we've been talking about. And it gets you all, it gets you the Elder Spell. It gets you Nickel Bolish Dragon God, a Planeswalker who has all of the other Planeswalker abilities, letting you double up on your strongest ultimate, which is kind of what this deck's finisher is going to be. And it gets you all of that in one deck. Now, you don't get Elsha's ability to kind of flash them in off the top. You don't get that in the command zone. You may draw into it. That's True. definitely an option here. But you don't get it in the command zone. But Brea, I think, is the peak of this deck as far as options go. I don't necessarily know if Brea is the most powerful because Brea is known to be a strong deck as it stands in the format. It's going to get you more heat when it hits the table. That is true, yeah. And that's a consideration. But... You are getting, as we've said here, you're getting all, you're getting the minimum things you need by being in blue and by being in white. Brea's already an artifact-centric deck, so it's already kind of naturally going to be running a lot of the things you want to be running. But it gets you the strength of that Jeskai build with all of the red sacrifice, the instant speed sacrifice, and it yeah, that's you that what I was gonna spell. say. I think that yeah. if you're trying to do the the sacrifice route, yes. I think that um, I think that 
Bray is a great option. Bray is so good. I was also going to sure. say, if you wanted to just go Esper, because the thing that you want mm-hmm. is something that attributes to the combo of the deck in some way. Yes. And one of the most difficult parts can be turning your things into creatures. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to say that probably right under Aminatu would be Sidri, Galvanic Genius. You just bring a liquid metal coating and turn a planeswalker into a boy for a blue, and then you and then you do the thing. Or again, so, and, and I think again, it's Esper's a pretty strong, I would say if you're going three color, Esper's really strong because right under that you have Urtai the Corrupted. Um, so Sidri, just to make sure we kind of go over what that card does, Sidri is white, oh, blue, yes. and a black for a 2-2. has two activated abilities. It's a legendary creature, human artificer. For one blue, it turns a non-creature artifact into an artifact creature with power and toughness equal to its mana cost. So similar to we were talking earlier about skilled animator, uh, Tezzeret, and Insole artifact, it's giving you another way to turn, does not have to go all in on turning those Planeswalker artifacts into creatures by also kind of nuking your own lands. Mm-hmm. It lets you be a bit more targeted with it. And then also, if you just want to do the Planeswalker beats, which again, in every tier of this deck is doable, for white and a black, target artifact creature gets Death Touch and Lifelink till in turn. It's going to give you that reach by giving those Planeswalkers Lifelink, letting you gain more and more life, and it makes them strong blockers. Um, and then to kind of also mention Urtai the Corrupted, um, because again, we're, we've now hit white at this point, we can get those enchantment animations into effect. Urtai the Corrupted is two white, blue, and a black for a three, four blue tap, sacrifice a creature or enchantment counter target spell. This is a bit overcosted, but I think it's kind of just key to mention it because if you haven't yet, if you've been able to turn your planeswalkers into enchantments, but not creatures, you're in a very fragile place in your game plan here. Urtai being able to sacrifice just a land because of Enchanted Evening to yep. counter any spell is very strong. Especially if you're building around Urtai, you're probably, because again, you're in blue, you're in the best color for untap effects. So you're probably building ways to untap him to counter multiple things a turn. I feel like, again, I don't necessarily think he's the strongest option, but if you're wanting to build this deck in Esper, he is a pretty valuable one that gives you a pretty unique playstyle, depending on if you feel like you need more control to get you there. There are also a few interesting cards that you get access to when you add black. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go over just a few if you want to go with the hilarious route. And sure. these are some of my favorite. I'm going to just say two. Number one, Micaeus the Unhallowed. All of your <laughs> planeswalkers are non-human creatures except for maybe a few of your Gideons. Guess what happens when you sacrifice those? They come Mm -hmm. back with a plus one, plus one counter. So that's even more stuff to throw onto your Ozolith whenever you finally decide to go to combat. Another Mm -hmm. one that is incredibly interesting to me is um, Nightmare Shepherd. And Nightmare Shepherd... Um, and I'll read Nightmare Shepherd because it is mm-hmm. odd, and I love sure. this card more than almost any other magic card right now. It is a two and two black flying enchantment creature demon that says whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may exile it. If you do, create a token mm-hmm. that's a copy of that creature, except it's <laughs> a one-one nightmare in addition to its other types. Have yep. you ever drew... In your life, seen a Teferi, Temporal Archmage, get sacrificed <laughs> to a Shrapnel Blast, and then re-enter as a 1-1 Nightmare Creature, in addition to its other types, which is Legendary Planeswalker, Teferi? Teferi? I have in not. In your life, I know I you haven't. Not. And oh my goodness. One of the oh, other key cards, goodness. um, again, it's with Hex Parasite. You're gonna again, it's uh, and when it when it comes to adding black, we also get access to a card. One of my personal favorite cards, Hex Parasite. So Ozolith is an all or nothing artifact. As one of the very few negatives about this card is you are getting <laughs> all of those counters onto a Planeswalker now maybe for what like your board state is going to be you want more options than that hex parasite is one mana for a one one artifact creature insect 
for X and a Phyrexian Black. Remove up to X counters from target permanent. For each counter removed this way, Hex Parasite gets plus one plus oh till end of turn. Now, the obvious thing, Ozlith is gonna have hella counters on it the entire time. That is the crux of this entire deck that we're doing here. But maybe again, for this line of play, you need to just be able to really hit somebody super hard or someone's swinging in and you need Hex Parasite to get big. You always have these counters around in the magical Christmas land that we live in with how this deck's going to play out. So mm-hmm. Hex Parasite's going to be able to farm those counters off of anything, either your Planeswalkers that are on the field um, or Ozolith itself to get big. If you're going the Machaeus route and you've reanimated to get this human creature Teferi back onto the field, but with a plus one, plus one counter, you can use it to eat that one, one counter to then reanimate it again. If you're playing with luminous brood moth, because we are in white here and you want to eat those flying counters off to continue to reanimate it that way, you can do that with hex parasite. So you have kind of a lot of options here. And then the final one I alluded to a uh, hex parasite and elder spell is kind of my key thing that I think black brings to this whole deck. But again, Nickel Bolus Dragon God, I alluded to him a bit, but I feel like he is a big payoff that you get once you go into the Brea or just once you get black into this deck, especially with the Brea build of it. Nickel Bolus Dragon God is a blue, black, 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 red for four loyalty Planeswalker. As a static effect, Nickel Bolus Dragon God has all loyalty abilities of all other Planeswalkers. In this deck, that is a ludicrous ability. This deck's already running Super Friends. Any Super Friends deck with access to these three colors is going to have this card in it, as long as budget is not like a concern. But if you're building Super Friends on a budget, I am very impressed and would love to see your deck list. The other <laughs> abilities Nickel Bullis has. Plus one, draw a card. Each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control. Just good card advantage, good control on the board. Minus three, destroy target creature or planeswalker. What are we doing in this deck? We are killing planeswalkers. We are killing creatures. Bolas has that right there. And if we're going very hard, the ultimate on Nicol Bolas, I think, is kind of a strong finisher. We haven't really talked about many finishers in this deck because I think it just comes down to what you as the player want that to is end true. your games. The but planeswalker Bolas, slot, yeah. which we will... I'm going to do a deck tech of either the Esper or the Jeskai variant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I will have slots open just for whatever Planeswalkers you like most. I will probably suggest you run Sarkins and Gideons. Yeah. But, um, you know, that is ultimately your choice. But Nicobolus Dragonaut has what I would probably argue is the best finisher for this deck in their ultimate. Because, again, we're building to a really big game ending or game warping alt. Nicobolus Dragonaut at minus eight has each opponent who doesn't control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. So they enable you to, again, once we're in black, we also have Elder Spell, nuke the entire board. Nickel Bolas will have the counters they need the turn they hit. You play the main phase one, go to combat, they get all of the loyalty counters off of the Ozolith, and then they just Kamehameha Blast some. They Kamehameha Blast the entire table for a strong finish. We If we do end up going all the way, I may end up uh, kind of taking the helm and kind of tweaking the deck up to the Brea build just to get black in there because that, I think, is a very strong finisher. But this has been minimum viable deck list for the Ozolith. Uh, Daniel, do you have any other odds and end cards that we didn't go over that you want to mention with this uh, strategy? I have, I have one that I just mm. saw that I think is very, very funny. Um, mm-hmm. Also, just in general, let us know what you're doing with the Ozolith and Planeswalker specifically. Or not. <laughs> just, you know. Or the Ozolith at all. Yeah, let us know how excited you were for the Ozolith, what kind of shenanigans you wanted to do with it. This is just, yeah. this was just my immediate reaction upon seeing the Ozolith because I have played Opalescence and um, mm-hmm. and, and Enchanted, Enchanted Evening, Evening and these kinds yeah. of cards before. I love this kind of stuff. But one of the cards I just saw is Athreos the Shroud Veiled. It is four, a white and a black, indestructible, legendary enchantment creature god. Oh. Uh, as long as your devotion to white and black is less than seven, Athreos isn't a creature. At the beginning of your end step, you put a coin counter on another target creature. Mm-hmm. Whenever a creature with a coin counter on it dies or is put into exile, return it to the battlefield under your control. So you get something, you put a coin counter on it, 
you mm-hmm. you kill it. It comes back. The coin counter goes onto the ozolith. Beginning uh-huh. of combat, you put the coin counter on something else. Yep. And <laughs> and just, so it just it loops back. Um, yeah. I mean that one's super good. I mean the other one that I wanted to mention is just Angrath's Rampage, black and a red for a sorcery. Choose one. Target player sacks an artifact, a creature, or a planeswalker. You're able to turn this one onto yourself, and if not, it's just. I, I think this is genuinely just a very underplayed removal spell. This seems yes, very, very strong good. to me. And in this deck in particular, again, you're able to turn this on yourself. If you just need to eat a walker, you can do that. I don't know why, if you're not already doing the Ozolith play, I don't know why you're doing that in this deck, but maybe through playtesting we'll find out. Um, but that has been our first episode of Minimum Viable Deck List. We've gone from Mono Blue to Azorius to Jeskai and Esper and then into... What is the four color that is uh, Brea? Um, it's called here. EDH Rec calls it your tiller. I'm all about that. So we yeah, have done the mono. Nephilim. We have so, done the we have done the mono blue Azorius, Jeskai, Esper, and your tiller versions. Just some of the key cards. Um, we may have a couple deck lists um, when this episode goes live. Yeah, I'm I'm guaranteed to either be doing the Jeskai or the Esper one for sure. Mm. Cause those are the ones that tickle my fancy the most personally. And then Drew yep. may also do one. Yeah. We may I see don't if we get control there. him and I will never claim to. <laughs> yep. Um, um, but again, if, if you were, if you've been inspired by this, um, like we try to always say, if you were inspired by this to build or try out any deck, or if you just, if you didn't build your deck around it, but you included some elements to possibly pull this off, Put those down in the in the comments below. Let us know what you did with it. I'm very interested to see if people try this out in the wild. <laughs> this deck is absolutely bonkers insane. It is, again, and I cannot stress this enough, a five to six at absolute best with the nut draw. But yeah, this is like you, demonic tutors, the rectors, <laughs> like you're dropping big bucks to go five or six, but <laughs> to be five or six, but 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 crazy respect. I, I will guarantee that you do not see another, you don't see this deck mirror matched across the table. Um, but yeah, what else are you doing with the Ozlith? Have you built the Ozlith with green? We excluded green from all these deck lists. Do you yeah, think there's a big enough the draw? The best Super Friends deck was Brea the whole time. Was Brea <laughs> the whole time. Um, but yeah. Um, have we come up with a sign off? I guess the sign you off, had a sign uh, off that was really good last episode. Yep. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So we'll do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. If, you said, uh, you said something along the lines of, I have demonstrated we, the loop and I moved to instep and concede. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Yeah, we've demonstrated the loop. We moved to instep and concede. Thank yeah. you all for listening. And mm-hmm. I hope you have fun playing the game. Do, 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 do,